0: You're watching Global BC.
1: This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, and thanks for joining us. The Hallmark Network puts out dozens of wholesome TV movies every year, but tonight, allegations that challenge that squeaky, clean image.
2: Extras on one movie set tell Global News Hallmark has a policy against presenting interracial couples. John hua has more on the allegations and how the company is responding tonight.
3: For one week this summer, it was a white Christmas in Gibsons. Hallmark shooting a movie on the Sunshine Coast, and many in town were cast as extras.
4: It was very Christmassy and it looked very beautiful and very typical of a Hallmark movie. Yeah, so first impressions were pretty good.
3: But Leslie Horat says her experience stopped being merry and bright when she claims to have been marginalized on set because she wasn't white.
4: And the casting wranglers looked at us and said, oh, no, uh, Hallmark has this policy against uh, interracial couple representation in their productions. A lot of people heard that. And a lot of people were offended by it.
3: The scene called for couples, which included Horace's friends Leah Pettit and Norman Kohler.
5: Well, my husband is part Ghanaian, but he apparently looks wide enough that we're
4: okay on screen.
3: But when Horat tried to pair up with Kohler's brother, a line was drawn.
4: I guess from optics, it just didn't look right because he is fairer than I am. And so we were kind of set off to the side.
6: We are going to be doing some Godwinks movies
3: on Hallmark. The movie is called A Carousel Christmas, starring Kathy Lee Gifford, part of a Hallmark series based on the popular Christian Godwinks books, directed by Vancouver's Michael Robison.
7: I'll talk to the producer of the show and see where this originated by this thought of policy mind.
3: In a statement, Hallmark's parent company writes, We state unequivocally that Crown Media does not have a policy, stated or unstated, regarding interracial couples in our programming. Crown Media intends to follow up with every one of our third-party vendors to be certain each absolutely understands our values and policies.
5: It's probably something that they will never put on record, but it's a common practice.
3: An industry insider speaking on condition of anonymity says the dirty secret has been tied to Hallmark for years.
5: Everybody knows and no one wants to talk about it and change it because everybody's afraid of losing their jobs.
3: And just take a look at Hallmark's 2017 holiday lineup. That year, the company released 21 new movies. But of those, only one featured a non-white lead couple and stars Carlos and Alexa Peña Vega are a married couple in real life. I feel like now I'm part of the machine that's pushing that ideology forward and I want nothing to do with that. For Horat, whose first experience with film is now her last, the reason for speaking out is deeply personal.
4: My parents are... Immigrants from South Africa and they left during apartheid, and this sort of no race mixing was part of my young life.
3: And while the snow is gone, Horat says the racism Hallmark brought to her hometown will not
1: melt away. John Hua Global News. Trial began today for the man accused of killing a 30 year old Japanese student. The body of Natsumi Kogawa found on the grounds of the Gabriola Mansion in the West End almost exactly two years ago. Our Grace Key was in court today for day one of this jury trial. Grace, explain what happened.
8: Well, certainly some disturbing uh, details were released in court today. One of the first to take the stand were officers who first discovered the body. The last images of Japanese exchange student Natsumi Kagawa walking with William Schneider, the man accused of killing her, were taken at Harbor Center Mall in downtown Vancouver on September 8, 2016. Her credit card was used to buy vodka, crackers, chips and batteries. Schneider is carrying a tent bag. His niece recognized the image in a media release and called her father, who confronted Schneider in Vernon. In Crown's opening remarks, the jury heard how Schneider told his brother that Kagawa's body was in a suitcase at Nicola and Davey at Vancouver. Vancouver's West End. The brothers eventually went to a Vernon Park where Schneider bought heroin to commit suicide. His brother is expected to testify that Schneider said he and Kagawa were going to have sex in Stanley Park, but they didn't get there. They had a few drinks, took some medication, and she had to leave. He's expected to say that Schneider, who's married, called his wife in Japan and told her what happened, saying, I killed her or I did it. Kagawa's naked body was found in a suitcase at Gabriola Mansion. Schneider was arrested in Vernon later that day. Crown will play an audio interview with officers. Snyder saying, we met and we continued to meet and it got very heated, then went wrong. Detective, how did she die? Snyder said, I don't know if her nose was plugged or her heart went. What was happening that caused that? Snyder said, I'm not going to go there right now. You can imagine. Schneider was staying in a Vancouver hostel at the time of Kagawa's disappearance. Two days after they met up, surveillance video shows him leaving the hostel with a suitcase and then returning later that day without the bag and in a change of clothes. Kagawa's mother is here and wept when Schneider stood up in court to enter his not guilty pleas. Now, toxicology report does reveal that sedatives were found in Kukawa's body, though the exact uh, cause of death is undetermined. There were no obvious signs of injuries.
2: Now, Schneider's brother is expected to take the stand. Chris?
1: All right, Grace Key, thank you.
2: A 17-year-old girl has been arrested and charged with aggravated assault and a stabbing over the weekend. It happened at Unwin Park in Surrey. RCMP say there was an altercation between several youth and a 16-year-old girl was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening stab wounds. Investigators believe this incident to be isolated and targeted as the victim and suspect are known to each other.
1: For the first time ever, the provincial government has bought out two private MRI clinics. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria for us tonight uh, with more on where these clinics are located and the significance of this purchase, Keith.
9: Yeah, very significant and historic, Chris. You're quite right. One's located in Surrey, the Surrey MRI Clinic, and the Fraser Valley MRI Clinic in Abbotsford, uh, now being in public hands. And it's, again, reflection of Adrian Dix, the health minister's probably one of his top priorities is really increasing the number of MRIs because of the aging population. They're increasing in demand. The numbers tell the story. Take a look at the changing landscape when it comes to MRIs in B.C. This year, 225,000 procedures are expected to be performed. That's up from 174,000 in 2016. 17, the last full year of the V.C. Liberal government as well. Eight uh, MRIs now operate on a 24-7 basis. You can get an MRI at three o'clock in the morning if you want. That's up from just one under the last year of the Liberals. And finally, also 18 uh, MRIs uh, uh, areas now perform at least 19 hours a day on seven days a week. Again, that's up from just five under the V.C. Liberals. Adrian Dix making the point again today that he wants to see more and more MRIs perform, but in the public side of the health care system, not the private side.
7: And this action today, adding three new machines, which we're doing in 2019,
1: and then buying two privately run machines that the public system and uh, ordinary people didn't have
7: access to, in dramatically increases that capacity in addition to that. So our goal is to, because in Fraser Health we were trailing uh, the other health authorities and trailing the country, is to is to uh, deliver uh, a care in a fast and appropriate
1: way. And I think we're, we're getting there. Well, what's the end goal for the government here, Keith?
9: Well, Adrian Dix made, has made it clear he wants to really uh, cut down on the, the uh, performance of private health care uh, competing with the public health care system. He doesn't want people to be charged money for medically necessary procedures that the public system is supposed to uh, fund. So that's why he's funding so many MRIs, basically to try to help drive the, the private clinics almost out of business. But he has delayed his crackdown on them. It was supposed to start in October. That will now start in April.
1: And so far, we still don't know how much they paid for them, correct?
9: No, I asked him about that today, and he said, look, we're not releasing the numbers yet for commercial reasons, which tells me he's thinking of buying even more private clinics, a suggestion he did not deny. All right. Thank you, Keith. Okay.
2: Now, with just over two weeks to go before marijuana is legal in this province, there are concerns tonight that police don't have the tools they need to catch drugged drivers. Vancouver police joining several other forces saying they don't have confidence in the only federally approved drug testing machine at the moment. Chief Palmer telling CKNW's Linda Steele today his department will take a pass on using the Drager.
1: It's very bulky. It's, it's quite a large um, device compared to, you may be familiar with the one that we use for alcohol right now, the approved screening device for liquor, which is quite small. This one is quite bulky. In addition, there's concerns about um, the operating temperature, and that's not as much of a concern in Vancouver as other parts of Canada, but certainly it does get colder than four degrees in Vancouver at certain points in the year. The other concerns that I would have with it would be the amount of time it takes to take a swab from a potential person that may be under
9: the influence.
2: In the interim, Chief Palmer says his department is well prepared and have been training more officers to be qualified in field sobriety tests and drug recognition experts. More tonight about Vancouver mayoral candidate Hector Bremner and the controversy behind a billboard campaign supporting him. Bremner has denied having anything to do with those billboards, which were funded by a wealthy developer. But as Paul Johnson reports, some are questioning how a picture that size could be used without his knowledge.
10: As a top developer in Vancouver, Peter Wall presumably has an interest in who the next mayor will be. So when news broke this weekend that it was Wall who paid for an ad campaign supporting candidate Hector Bremner, it wasn't that much of a surprise. What was unusual, though, was this. The picture of you that was on the billboard, who took that picture? I don't know. Not only did Bremner not know who took that great picture of him, he says he has no idea how it got in the hands of Wall's people, which raised a few eyebrows. It's
7: stretches credulity i guess a little bit
10: now a source with knowledge of how that ad was made says bremner's pick was simply found in a google search scraped off the internet and then massaged by a graphic artist to make it billboard quality though he wouldn't say who did the work elections bc say there's actually nothing wrong with what happened here Which is why some observers are saying these new laws, intending to regulate the influence of big money in elections, are actually pretty toothless. Oh, it's devastating for the candidate. Frances Beulah is the Globe and Mail reporter who first broke the story that Wall was behind the ads. She isn't surprised to see that new election finance laws give rise to new workarounds.
11: And this, to a lot of people, is just an example of the old system rearing its head,
7: you know, too much development po- uh, money in politics. Our plan is is that we end the relationship between developers and council. Bremner's
10: campaign Monday stood by their denial of any prior knowledge of Wall's campaign. One lingering mystery, though, is how the picture passed muster with the billboard company itself. In B.C., outdoor advertisers tell us they want clients to have clear permission that they can use an image. Pattison Outdoor didn't return our calls. Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: Just in the nick of time, the provincial government announcing today it's topping up its Clean Energy Vehicle Incentive Program. Sarah McDonald joins us now from the newsroom with more on this. Sarah, funding was literally going to run out in the next couple of days, so this announcement Well, the timing's pretty good.
6: And Chris, with possibly hours to spare, the province announcing this afternoon that depleting incentive program for electric vehicles is getting a much-needed boost. The province had previously committed $27 million to the Clean Energy Vehicle Incentive Program in 2017. It was expected to last until 2020 at that time. That was clearly a miscalculation. That program, which provides a credit of up to $5,000 towards the purchase of an electric car or a plug-in hybrid and $6,000 for those less common hydrogen fuel cell vehicles so popular industry experts say that fund was down to the low six figures before today's top up
1: we've been anxiously awaiting as the the dollars have been kind of going down rather quickly this year and on the the fund hoping that government was going to top it up to uh, get us through to the next budget cycle so today was great news. Oh, very happy. Uh,
0: A number of months ago, I approached government pointing out that this was going to run out very soon. It was imperative that it be continued. It's a flagship proposal, uh, part of the clean clean growth strategy, and I was really pleased to see them put the $10 million in today.
1: So the province acted not a moment too soon, but really it's no surprise to a lot of folks, given the uh, the success and popularity of these vehicles, I guess, right?
6: Chris, and that's exactly because of how popular those electric vehicles have become in this province. The latest numbers show B.C. has the highest market share of them in the country at just under 4%. And Chris, that $27 million is thought to have helped put some 6,000 electric cars on the road already.
1: Full disclosure, I'm one of those customers. All right, thanks very <laughs> much, Sarah. Appreciate it. You bet.
2: Frustration in trail tonight where there have now been three acid leaks in the span of six months, the latest happening over the weekend. And while it was relatively small, as Tech reports, it has prompted the company at the source to change its policy.
0: On Saturday, a new trucking firm, same problem. Now Trimac has been hired by International Raw Materials to transport highly toxic sulfuric acid to nearby rail terminals. The operator reported a small spill, much less than a liter. But because of what's happened here before, the highway was shut down for inspection, just to make sure it really was that minor.
1: There's no, uh, no exposure that we're aware of to uh, the the public or the environment.
0: But the spills in April and May involving a different trucking company, Westcan, were much bigger. 300 litres in all, and many vehicles simply drove over what looked like a wet road. But soon the acid started taking its toll, eating the undercoating and brake lines.
10: So if you look under here on the frame... Like so far, 3,500
0: claims have been made to ICBC, many, it appears, just out of an abundance and of, and of caution. ICBC says it's inspected 1,700 vehicles so far, 1,300 show no acid damage. But those that do will not have their deductible refunded because ICBC says that part of an insurance policy is not covered. The company, meanwhile, that buys the acid from the tech smelter says significant changes are being made.
1: We have uh, a major engineering company inspecting these trucks to make sure that they're, they're in compliance. Uh, then we ourselves, uh, IRM, have taken over the transload.
0: That means starting October 1st, IRM will handle the loading and unloading of sulfuric acid, where up until now that's been the duty of the truck driver. And with new equipment from Trimac and more stringent engineering inspections, the company believes it will have restored safety.
1: Sulfuric acid is tru- trucked all over North America, all over the north, all over the developed world, uh, and it's done safely. Ted Szenegi, Global News. Two sheep are dead, three still missing, and another 16 injured after a dog attacked a flock of sheep just outside of of Victoria on Friday. The owners of Perry Bay Sheep Farm got a call the sheep were running loose on a road in the Highlands with blood around their necks and legs. When they arrived, the dog involved was still there and is now with the Capital Regional District Animal Control. The sheep are all a special cross and take years to produce. The incident is pushing back their breeding schedule. We were going to put the rams out tomorrow. So that's another issue is that how are these guys going to do? We probably have to hold them back and then it it will be an issue in the spring. They likely won't have as many lambs and uh, if they lamb late, the lambs don't do as well. The dog involved was not wild. It was someone's pet. Its owner has been contacted. Meantime, the sheep are being treated with antibiotics while the search continues for those that are still missing. In the meantime, it looks like some help is on the way for B.C. renters now that a task force is recommending a lower limit to rent increases next year.
2: But as Tanya Beja reports tonight, critics are worried that limiting rent increases to the rate of inflation might also limit the supply of new housing. Camille Hanna says she
12: wants to raise her family in Vancouver, so she welcomes any measure that will mitigate her monthly rent. There's so many renters, it's because we can't afford to buy, so I think capping it at 2.5 is really just a no-brainer. The province's rental housing task force is recommending a 2.5% maximum allowable rent increase, down from the 4.5% announced earlier this month.
8: We believe this strikes the balance between the need for affordability for renters, and the need to maintain properties.
12: Under the proposal, landlords can apply for an additional rent hike if they've done work on a building.
8: If you're not doing any work or maintaining your property, you're not gonna be getting the maximum rent increase.
12: On social media, developers say the move is forcing them to halt plans for future purpose-built rentals. Advocates for landlords argue their costs, including property taxes, have far outstripped annual rent increases and say a cap could cause many to turn to options
7: like Airbnb. We have real concerns about what impact it's going to have on landlords staying in the rental business, and also whether or not we're going to be able to build new purpose-built rental.
12: But for tenants like Derek O'Keefe, tying rent to inflation doesn't go far enough. O'Keefe is running for Vancouver City Council with a plan for a four-year freeze.
7: Everywhere we go, renters are telling us they need a rent freeze, but actually they need the price of rent to go down in this city, and they need the vacancy rate to go up. So they need government to get more involved again in building non-market housing.
12: The task force recommendations will be presented to government this week.
2: If approved quickly the new cap will apply for 2019. Tanya Beja, Global News. An ugly incident on a BC transit bus is making the rounds on social media. That's an invasion of privacy! <laughs>
1: Don't f*** with me! The video shows a heated exchange involving a woman who allegedly refused to move her bag from an empty seat next to her. At one point, a shoving match ensues and profanities are exchanged between the woman and other passengers. This all unfolded on the 250 Horseshoe Beta Vancouver bus around 8 o'clock last night. Transit police are investigating and say the first complaint they received was from the woman at the center of the dispute.
7: Our actual first point of contact was the uh, female involved that was seated on the bus. Uh, She contacted transit police. Um, So we have contacted her and we have received uh, SMS text messages to our text line um, after this event occurred and we've uh, spoken to those witnesses.
1: The debate over short-term rentals flaring up again in the Okanagan, this time focusing on a huge home south of Penticton. The regional
2: district calls it an illegal luxury vacation rental. And as Shelby Tom reports,
5: it's asking the courts to step in. It's big and beautiful. The 6,700-square-foot, five-bedroom luxury estate off Highway 3A near Khaledan is no doubt a dream home. It could be all yours for $2,000 a night, listed on short-term rental sites like Airbnb. But there's a problem. The local government says it could be a safety hazard. A staff report to the Regional District of Okanagan Similkameen Board says the fourth floor was converted into living space without a building permit, posing a health and safety concern. The attic now bedrooms.
7: The biggest concern was fire risk and, and egress uh, for for individuals staying there.
5: The RDOS has placed a do not occupy sign at this gate entering the property and sent a letter to the registered owner. They haven't complied and when we contacted the owner via the Airbnb website they didn't respond and subsequently removed the listing. The RDOS is seeking a court injunction to force the owner into compliance.
7: We'll be acting quickly in getting the court action.
5: Another issue with this property, it doesn't have the proper permit to operate a short-term rental. The RDOS says vacation rentals are welcome, but owners must comply with building bylaws and obtain a temporary use permit.
7: They will be allowed in areas throughout the regional district. Um, definitely it's a big issue. Uh, promoter of the economy for tourism uh, in the region here, but it just needs to be done safely and appropriately um, with the permit process.
5: Shelby Tom, Global News.
2: Quite a sight on the streets of North Vancouver today. What could be the largest building ever moved in North America?
1: Nickel Brothers crews moved the sales centre for the Sealand Village development, keeping the entire building intact. They only moved at about 150 metres, essentially, across the street... But at 67 meters long, 25 meters wide, about 18,000 square feet, it was still a major production.
7: We've moved structures that, uh, that have been, been, been heavier, been um, wider or longer, but perhaps not all in, in one piece like this. So um, it's a complex move, moving uh, a structure like this across the road.
1: Well, the move itself took only one day. Crews have been at work for a month getting the building ready. The developer chose to move the sales center to save money and keep the building out of the landfill. The cleanup continues in Ottawa tonight after twin tornadoes ripped apart neighborhoods on Friday. More than 50 homes were damaged by the storms, which also knocked down trees and power lines. Schools were closed today and government workers were urged to stay home. Ontario's premier is promising to get everyone back on their feet. As as long as, as no one has been killed, we can replace the infrastructure, and we will. We will spare no resources in this province. Crews continue to work around the clock to restore power to thousands of homes and businesses that are still in the dark. But Hydro Ottawa says some customers will have to wait probably until next week.
2: Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was on a charm offensive in New York tonight, working on Canada's campaign for a seat on the United Nations Security Council.
1: But one person he's not spending any time with is U.S. President Donald Trump. The two have no meetings scheduled, even though they're in the same place at the same time. Global's Jackson Prosko reports.
7: At the United Nations, Canada resumed its bid for a seat on the U.N. Security Council. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau held a number of bilateral meetings with world leaders today, and in a speech to the Nelson Mandela Peace Summit, he spoke about Canada's focus on protecting the rights of people around the world in an effort to win support for that Security Council bid.
13: Canada will continue to call out the unfair treatment of racial and ethnic minorities, of women and girls, of indigenous peoples. We will continue to speak up for the refugees of Rohingya, for the Yazidis of Northern Iraq, for the people of Venezuela.
7: But the focus at the UN really is on US President Donald Trump. Last year, of course, he threatened to totally destroy North Korea, shocking the world with the tone of his speech. This time around, he's speaking about preparations for a second summit with the North Korean dictator and speaking about him in very friendly terms. I
10: see tremendous enthusiasm on behalf of chairman kim toward making a deal and i think that that's something uh, that's very good we are in no rush uh, there's no hurry we got back three months ago or so i think we've made more progress than anybody's made in ever frankly with regard to north korea
7: But there's still an expectation that Trump will use his speech to the General Assembly tomorrow to lash out at his foes. This time, Iran is expected to be the target. But Trump is walking a fine line here, on one hand stressing that the U.S. will not be constrained by international agreements or by organizations like the U.N., while at the same time promising to put America first. Jackson Prosco, Global News at the United Nations.
2: Bill Cosby has an uncontrollable urge to violate young women and would reoffend if given the chance. That was the testimony today from a Pennsylvania psychologist at Cosby's sentencing hearing for sexual assault. <laughs> Prosecutors want the 81-year-old comedian to serve some jail time, citing the severity of the crime and his lack of remorse. His defense attorneys want house arrests, saying he's old, illegally blind, and dependent on others. The judge has set aside two days for sentencing testimony and arguments.
1: The firestorm surrounding Donald Trump's nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court gets a little hotter tonight with a second accusation of sexual misconduct. I've Never, Never Ramirez says Kavanaugh anyone. exposed himself to her during a party while they were in college. Christine Blasey Ford has already accused Kavanaugh of assaulting her when they were teens. Kavanaugh is fighting back, taking to Fox News to deny all accusations and vowing to fight on. I think those two video pieces got mixed up. We apologize for that. In health matters tonight, Weight Watchers is losing some corporate weight, trimming its name down to just two letters. WW will be the name of the weight loss giant. The company says it's renaming itself to focus more on overall wellness and not just dieting. Its app will now offer tips and meditation and give out rewards for tracking meals and exercise. The company says users will see changes to the app starting next week. Groundbreaking use of 3D printing technology has saved a dog's life in Ontario.
2: Patches needed surgery to remove a brain tumor that was growing through her skull. Researchers at the University of Guelph removed about 70% of her skull and then replaced it with a titanium cap made with a 3D printer. The procedure is believed to be the first of its kind in North America. Best of all, Patches is now cancer-free.
1: Good for her. All right, get ready to hold your breath. Highlights from Barcelona's Human Castle competition. How high can they go right after the forecast with Christy? How high can the temperature go? Yeah, right. Why?
11: This week, the temperature can go up pretty high, actually. Today was beautiful. You can see the sunset there. Sunset uh, just after 7 o'clock now. We passed the fall equinox, so yes, it's officially fall now. Uh, fall equinox, by the way, it means that we have close to 12 hours of daylight and uh, 12 hours of uh, night time, so there are your sunrise and sunset times, but we're still losing three hours, uh, sorry, three minutes and 30 seconds of sunlight each day. Now, tonight is a full moon, but because it's close to the fall equinox, it's the harvest moon and what that is is a full moon that's close to uh, when the moon rises it's close to sunset time so this moon rises really just 20 minutes after sunset so when it comes up over the horizon it's still dusk out and the moon looks larger in this beautiful orange hue so watch for that tonight look towards the east uh, at just after seven o'clock and you'll see that again tomorrow night as well it actually lasts for usually a couple of days now we do have a front moving into the north coast but the rest of the province started to clear today. A few isolated showers in areas like Vail, Montemore, but that's it. Big upper level ridge across our region that's going to hold right through until the weekend. So Saturday being our transition day. Yes, sunshine and warmth right through until Saturday. So, here's a look at the showers across the North Coast. That's the one area that will be affected. Further inland, these temperatures tomorrow will be about 2 to 3 degrees above seasonal for this time of year. Beautiful conditions. Yes, some cloud cover, uh, but not a lot going on there, as you can see. And tomorrow will be the start of the heat. Wednesday, Thursday, and especially Friday, will be even warmer. So, 21 degrees away from the water from Metro Vancouver, near the water, 18. But by Friday, away from the water we could see about 24 degrees now keep in mind it is fall so at night temperatures cool down quite significantly especially when we have these longer nights and not a lot of cloud cover so chilly at night and through the morning period and we may see a little bit of fog patches but that's about it and i'll leave you with this nice shot from christine uh she didn't tell me where this photo was taken but it doesn't really matter does it it's fall
1: it could be anywhere now anywhere that's right leaves are falling in my neighborhood Mm mm-hmm get out there with a rake soon. That's a good reminder. (laughs) Thanks, Christy. Thousands of people packed into a Barcelona square for a heart-stopping contest. The
2: annual Human Castle competition is part of the traditional street festival held in honour of the city's patron saint. Teams attempt different types of human towers, sometimes, as I'm sure you can imagine, with disastrous results.
1: (laughs) Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay?
2: (laughs) The team ending in that pile of humanity on the ground. One person was taken away with undetermined injuries. Other teams were more successful in the building and dismantling of their castles. This tradition apparently dates back to the 18th century. Hold that shot. <laughs>
1: I don't know what's going on there. That's crazy. They seem so young at the very top. Yeah. I guess you want the smaller, the, the smaller, top. lighter people. Because up. the old people Gaelis. are smarter and <laughs> won't do it.
2: <laughs> we True. can do that as like a team building exercise, and so to speak. Squire, you'll be at the top. Well, you could be at the top yeah. too.
1: Thanks. <laughs> uh, I, I know where I'll be. At the bottom. And
13: if oh, you're yes. wondering, I know last time this happened, some people's equilibrium was knocked out mm-hmm. because they're usually used to...
2: Camera. Right. Camera one is sick again. Sick again. Aww. Camera one. Yeah.
1: That camera's no good. So that is Squire's camera.
13: Oh, is Starting this my out. camera now? There it oh, is. There
1: I go. All right. Oh. Some uh, confusing. What? Yes. Yeah, it's confusing because we're we we going here. Yeah, you're over here. Okay. Um, but some really uh, cool things happened in sports on on the weekend, and some not so cool things.
13: Well, not so cool locally. For although, actually, no, cool locally. The Lions come back on Saturday night, but it was followed by, at the same stadium, a rather disappointing finish for the Whitecaps. And the doomsday clock for the Vancouver Whitecaps is getting very close to midnight. Yesterday, they had a chance at home to move within a point of a playoff spot. All they had to do was win at BC Place, but they lost 2-1 to Dallas, and right now, Vancouver's home record is six wins, four losses, and five draws. Just when you think this team has momentum, they lose it. That's been the case all year, and they only have five games to go.
9: Same again. Same again on so many levels. Costly mistakes that good sides shouldn't and don't make, especially when it comes to defending. Yet it's become the Whitecaps' M.O., often with devastating results as the Whitecaps haven't delivered a clean sheet victory since late April. And
10: that is a monstrous goal in the Western playoff standings. The game is pretty close with most teams week in week out and it comes down to the little details. Everyone works as hard as everyone. Everyone tries, everyone runs and tackles but it's the details in your job when the set pieces, when there's Uh, transitions that decide games. The Whitecaps fall to defeat for the fourth time this season at BC
9: Place. Vancouver's 2-1 loss to Dallas marks the second straight home defeat for Carl Robinson's side. A week earlier it was Seattle that came into BC Place and also went home with a full three points. Both matches were must-wins and the Caps just couldn't pull it off. Once again a failure to execute and a failure to get the job done with the playoff berth hanging in the balance. Now it's all about five games left. How many points can we steal from you know the rest of the teams? And all the teams, you know, talk about LA and and Portland and uh, even LAFC. They're gonna be in a position where you know they need all those points. So it's it's kicking the butt to say, hey, it's either a season's gonna finish uh, in October or maybe we're gonna push ourselves and try to clinch our last spot in the playoffs. Put your big boy pants on or go home. That's the reality of it.
13: What happens if your pants are not that big because you're not very much of a big boy? That's been my problem for years, but I digress. <laughs> the uh, Canucks are in Salt Lake City tonight to play the LA Kings. In fact, it's scoreless in the first period. Elias Patterson. I like Saint Elias, but it's Elias Pettersson, will not be in the lineup. Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, they are playing. Uh, the Kings are going with pretty much a regular season-type roster. The Canucks sent down Jonathan Dahlien to their minor league team in Utica. That was expected. Petrus Palmu also goes down, as well as Jalen Chatfield. Reid Boucher, Ashton Sautner, they'll go if they clear waivers. And Seattle, scoring an NHL franchise is now basically an empty net goal. This should be easy for them because today they approved the $700 million refurbishing of Key Arena. That's near the Space Needle. That means the NHL owners will more than likely approve an expansion franchise probably before the end of this year. And Seattle could start playing in either 2020 or 2021. Okay, before yesterday, the last time Tiger Woods won a golf tournament, Robin Thicke had the number one song with Blurred Lines. Thicke's chances of a comeback seemed slim. Tiger, on the other hand, completed his yesterday, and considering all he's been through, especially with his back being fused together, a Robin Thicke revival should have been easier. We thought we'd never see it. There's a good reason, actually several good reasons we thought we would never see this again, because between Tiger Woods' win yesterday and the last time he won in 2013, there were things like this.
10: No way.
13: We watched Tiger Woods fight with his swing. Deal with a back that no longer appeared to like golf. And of course, all the collateral damage that that caused. We basically watched Tiger Woods fall from the top of the mountain. So when he walked the final few yards towards redemption at the Tour Championship, golf fans wanted to walk in his footsteps, as if to make sure that what they were seeing was not a mirage. Because with all his back issues, Tiger Woods didn't think he'd ever be able to do this again either.
7: Just to be able to, to compete and play again this year, that's a hell of a comeback. Uh, as I said, some of the people are are very close to me. They, they've seen what I've gone through. Um, I was alluding to some of the players have seen what I've, I've gone through and uh, they, they know how hard it was just to get back to playing golf again. The win does put Tiger's quest for records back
13: in play. This was his 80th PGA win, too short of Sam Snee's all-time record of 82. Next year, perhaps he'll finally win another major. But for now, Tiger is just happy that he and the golf world were reacquainted with
7: his old winning self. I'm just enjoying being able to do this again. Uh, didn't know I was going to do this again.
13: Tour championship winner, Tiger Woods, a winner again. And now he's off to the Ryder Cup
1: with all his friends. We'll see how he does there. There you go. Quite a moment. Thanks, Squire. Let's- You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
4: Coming up on ET Canada from Fiji, meet the mastermind behind all those immunity challenges on Survivor. And Mamma Mia, why did Cher do a full album of ABBA covers? That is all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Well, she
2: is living proof that staying active leads to a longer, healthier life.
1: As Catherine Urquhart reports, the Vancouver woman who is about to be recognized as the world's oldest active curler just began another new season today.
2: I'd rather have her on my team than against me.
12: (laughs) Full of energy and hugely competitive, it's hard to believe Lola Holmes recently turned 100 years old. Good shot, Mary. Good shot. Today, she's at the Vancouver Curling Club
4: and Lola can still deliver. I keep active. I love the game, first of all, because it's a skill. It's exercise and it's friendship.
12: (laughs) And now this centenarian is poised to enter the Guinness Book of World Records.
10: She's nominated to the Guinness World Book of Records as the oldest curler on the planet. Uh, And uh, that will take about another couple of weeks. Thank you.
4: I understand you're going to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. I can't believe it, but I am. It's enough. Slow down.
10: Slow down.
12: Curling is part of Lola's weekly routine, along with a long list of
2: other activities. I play Tai Chi, I swim, I play bridge at least twice a week. I walk half an hour,
12: an hour every day. Friends of this dynamo all agree, Lola is a gem, both on and off the ice. She's just an amazing lady and an enormous inspiration to all of us. A woman who is always positive and full of gratitude.
2: I have friends. I have a wonderful family. Oh, what work could you want? <laughs> Catherine Urquhart, Global News. That's Where inspiring. <laughs> she says she um, hasn't really felt any different since about 75 or so.
1: Oh, really? that's good to know. Yeah. The aches and pains wow. don't get any worse past I'm that. I
2: think that maybe, you know, she was getting a little old at 75, but then no. Yeah.
13: So for her, 100 is a new 75.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's Keep, what we have to look forward to. Amazing. Keep
1: on rocking, Lola. Mm. Uh, okay, last word on, oh, never mind. Last word <laughs> We're on. In sports?
11: Uh, so, cold tonight, oh, cold, chilly tonight, mm-hmm. down to about seven degrees in some areas, eight in others, just depending on your location. We may see a bit of patchy morning fog, but otherwise, plenty of sunshine right through the week. Uh, today, we warmed up to about 19 degrees in a few areas, but by Friday, we're hoping for 24 degrees away from the water. So, that's a good six, well, at the airport, it's a couple of degrees above seasonal but yeah. Pretty nice.
1: Oh, nice for fall.
11: Very
2: nice. Yeah. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you, thanks for watching, have a good night.